0: Hello, and welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Pia Lindstrom, and we're going to talk about the Stage Door Canteen. The Stage Door Canteen was started by the American Theatre Wing as a recreation center for soldiers during World War II, and with me is Phyllis Creore, who was a volunteer at the Stage Door Canteen. Welcome, Phyllis. What year was that that you were working? Oh, it was certainly in the early 40s. How did you get involved? Well, the
1: rehearsal club where I lived with all the other actresses and singers and dancers. It was on the bulletin board. The American theater wing wanted young women to come and dance with all these hundreds of boys who came in there to get a little recreation and change before they went off to war.
0: The club that you were living in was the rehearsal club? Yes. And and that was just for young actresses, was it not? Edna Ferber and George Kaufman got into our club
1: somehow and visited, and they used that for the basis
0: of the movie's stage door. So, you were one of the young actresses living there, and then you showed up at the stage door canteen. I understand that the stage door canteen was on West 44th Street, and that the Schubert organization had donated some sort of basement room. That was. Is that what you, was that where you went to West 44th Street? Mm -hmm. And you
1: signed on for once or twice a week, usually in the evening, when you could get away from your job hunting?
0: And, and auditioning. And auditioning. And, over and, didn't you, weren't and over you again. dancing and having to uh, go to classes and so on? Yes, yes this was purely so, volunteer. When you arrived at the stage door canteen, there would be many, many young men there sailors and soldiers and so on. Tell me a little bit about your impression when you arrived. Well, it was
1: predominantly men. I don't remember any. Waves being there or wax, and they were certainly of the very early variety, it would seem, all of them privates, pretty much. You didn't see any officers. One of my funniest experiences, because of the crowds of young men, and one of my first experiences ever dancing with a black boy, and he certainly had wonderful rhythm, I remember. And we danced to the big bands, you know. They volunteered, and we all enjoyed that and had pleasant times as well as sad ones. Some of the boys were so frightened. They'd never been away from home before, and they were only 17, some of them. And they were scared and homesick. So there were lots of stories that were heartbreaking, you were told, and yet we did have fun. And a lot of wonderful dancing and good food, which all the stars brought to us. They stood at the counters baking, cooking hamburgers and hot dogs and delivering it to the tables. And they were all just wonderful. There was no liquor served. Oh, no. No, no. No. <laughs> no. But we still had a happy time. One of my real stories about that experience was that a friend of my family's, an older man, was in the Navy and he was a very highly rated officer, I don't remember what. And he made arrangements through my family to come and pick me up for dinner one night. I made a mistake and I made a date with him to go to dinner on a night that I should have volunteered stage door canteen. So I wasn't going to miss that because I'd promised to be there. But this officer in the Navy arrived at the Hirsute Club, and some of the girls were around at the time he arrived. He not only was in his whites with all of his medals on, but he also arrived in a carriage from Central Park. When I told him I had to go to work, and I would be working probably till 10 o'clock, he said, Oh, that's all right. I'll take you and the horse and buggy to the stage door canteen. He took me. He followed into the canteen. And as if it was one young man, the entire crowd of privates rose from their chairs, came at him, and literally pushed him out of the place. It was not supposed to be an officer's club, and they would not allow him in. So he hailed me and said, Goodbye, I'll pick (laughs) you
0: up at 10 o'clock. And he did. Well, I think it was one of the few places that really was an egalitarian uh, locale, as you mentioned. There were Chinese and... uh, you know, French sailors and all kinds of people. It was one of the few places at that time, and even African-Americans. Yes. Was there any difficulty with the young women? Uh, and, not and all not any women? that
1: I ever remember. It would be rare there would be any difficulty with actresses or show business. Well, Don't you think so?
0: Yes, I, I think it, it was it's very interesting. Kind of that It was of
1: feeling. You acted in jobs on radio and so on, all all the time with a black boy didn't
0: you apparently saw Ray Bolger at the stage door canteen he entertained us he entertained you as well as the soldiers well yes indeed he did (laughs) what did he do he danced
1: oh what a dancer he was kind of like the knock-kneed Fred Astaire
0: I Mm -hmm. think it wasn't just singers. You had dancers and singers, and, uh, but you didn't do scenes and acting. You mainly no, talked to the I young only men. No, I danced with the boys. You danced with the boys. <laughs> what a nice thing. You held them and uh, encouraged them. But I thought that it was pretty astute of them to get rid of this great
1: big shiny officer and go right on with their dancing.
0: <laughs> he wanted a free evening, I think, that gentleman. Lots of famous people. Helen Hayes, Alfred Lund, Lauren Bacall, Mm -hmm. Betty Davis, uh, my mother, Ingrid Bergman. Lots of the actresses in those days went and worked there. And you were one of them, one of the young people. Is there any soldier that you particularly remember? Oh, only
1: little visions of their faces. We weren't supposed to have dates with them, but whether people did, it's... Very apt to have gone on dates, I believe, even though, even though the rule was you weren't supposed to.
0: You weren't supposed to go out with them, but I would think there would be romance or feeling of affection for mm. these young men who were uh, yes you know, about to go to war. I, I Betty Davis's quote is saying, when she was giving advice about this: "Forget the wound, remember the man," because many of them had actually already been in fighting and had been injured. Yes, of course. So it wasn't just the healthy ones. It must have been a very poignant experience for you to to be with these young men.
1: Very moving. There were then, I believe, six liners, one of them, the Queen Mary, lined up, all ready to take off, carrying no passengers
0: except soldier boys, taking them to Europe to fight. That's Phyllis Creore, who is now in her 90s. How Mm -hmm. old are you now? I'm ninety six. (laughs) Ninety six. Ninety six years old. She was a young actress when she started as a canteen girl. I guess they were called uh, sometimes the volunteers. Called she was called a canteen girl at the stage door canteen, which was an organization that was actually started by the American Theater Wing. So it's part of the history. Uh, That is not the only thing you did. You actually had a radio show as a canteen girl. Tell me about the radio show. I often wonder
1: how I had the ambition or the nerve to go to NBC. I thought, wouldn't it be nice if the mothers and fathers and sweethearts of these boys could be entertained at home as well? So I just recently had a song of mine published was called this is my wish so I had a song a theme song and I wrote a script and went to NBC and through acting jobs I'd had on radio had met some of the directors and they had given me recalls back so I knew them that way I got the name of the personnel who would have been interested if they were at all and I did take the idea and I did Procure two times a week at six o'clock to broadcast my show.
0: What was the audience? Was it for soldiers or their families?
1: It was for the soldiers and the, it went shortwave as well.
0: So it was. It went overseas? That,
1: mm, it went overseas, so it followed them. And many times I'd get fan mail eventually from boys in camps, and they'd all... Different group of boys would sign their names, and they all wanted a picture to put up in their dormitory or whoever. Were you a pin-up? <laughs> I suspect did you wear little you short could call shorts and
0: <laughs> <laughs> looked like Betty Gray. No, they were mostly just <laughs> photos. <But laughs> well, well, that's not all you did. You were actually Miss Television. Of 1939. Well, that was before. Yes, so that you introduced—you are the person who introduced television at the World Fair. Yes, in New York. Tell me about well, that. Well, the fair was in '39. Was a very
1: happy affair. So it was in contrast because in Europe, of course, the war was on, and I can remember waking up at the rehearsal club in the morning when I heard. President Roosevelt said after the attack on Pearl Harbor that we are at war. In fact, my sweet mates were all asleep, and I was the one to tell them that. And from then on, life changed very much at the rehearsal club. But having been involved with the interviewing of the public and governors of states and celebrities that would pass through there was a pavilion rca and nbc had with a great big room which was lined with television sets and a little stage and i would get up on stage and make a spiel about television and people would ask questions from the audience There was a coaxial cable from out in the garden that ran under where the stage was. Then I would pick people and take them out into the garden where they would be televised. There was a big white truck that held all of the machinery for recording. You could see the men up there from NBC with their earphones on. They'd throw a cue from there. But the people inside with the 45 television sets all around the room, they could see the people in me in the garden being interviewed. And so they could see the
0: real people they'd seen inside the pavilion before. So no one had actually seen television. Mm. This was the. You introduced it? It really was. Rumor had it that there were probably only seven.
1: I don't know how true it was, but seven televisions all over the country. And people would say to me, do you think this is going to last, Miss Television? Do you think radio will ever amount to anything? I mean, uh, the picture. And I'd have to assure them I was trained in some ways to speak affirmatively always about television. I said oh, certainly, it's going to take off one day. You'll almost forget about radio. (laughs) And so it was a fun experience, and I went out on the subway train out daily and went back to... So actually, the stage door followed this. I mean, if I were speaking chronologically, there'd be a lot went on before... I got to the stage canteen,
0: but so I had By my the time you got there, you were quite well prepared at public speaking and talking to... Uh,
1: well, I'd had lots of odd
0: work, yes. Did it help to be an actress, to talk with all those soldiers, do you think, to be able to uh, connect with I'm them? I'm sure
1: they took any available and accessible and interested young women that they could... It's it was interesting. only a little bunch of us that went down from the rehearsal club, certainly not all 44 of us who
0: lived there. It's interesting that it was women, really, who started uh, the stage door canteen actresses. I expect so, yes. You know, and that uh, did all of Serena this. Serena Royal and Rachel Crothers. Uh, uh, several of them. I mean, it was it, that it was started by women who uh, wanted to do something for the soldiers. And they certainly did. They There's didn't... never
1: been anything like it in any of these sad wars that we were involved in. Never again.
0: I wonder why that is. Why do you think that we didn't do yeah, that perhaps again? Perhaps
1: because they're smaller and change from country to country so soon. And, but it's very sad that they don't. I can't tell you how enjoyable my fan mail was, and I answered every letter and sang every song they requested as long as I could.
0: Here, here I am looking at your photograph as a well, very there young woman of here. Those I just <laughs> kissed your picture good night. the name of the <laughs> of the song? Do you remember that one? I remember it. You know why I remember it because.
1: Someone was looking at my song, This Is My Wish. There is a list on a computer with old music on it that you could still buy for something like $5.28 or something. (laughs) And someone was looking at that list where my song does not appear. But this one, which I can't even remember singing, but the reason for the picture is... The song pluggers who went over to Tin Pan Alley sometimes rehearsed your songs with a piano player, at each publisher. And if they know you're going to sing your song on your radio program, what they do is ask for a picture. And these songs would be sold in ten-cent stores and music stores, and there'd often be a piano player hired in music shops where they'd play the popular music so to thank you for this they would put your picture on it but the fun thing was that this friend of mine was looking on the computer for my music and she couldn't find it but she found this one and it's listed previous to the next name and it says i just kissed your picture good night introduced by phyllis Jean. i was called in my canting girl program because they couldn't pronounce Creole too easily. Beneath it, it says, also sung by Frank Sinatra.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also ran. <laughs> and it also says here, you're a canteen, you know. Doesn't it say you're a canteen girl? Yes, featured by the canteen girl. Yeah, well, so yeah. You were well known as the canteen. You were <laughs> the canteen girl. That was the time of emails,
1: too. That was the kind of mail I got from Europe, which nobody'd recognize today. They were a little printed sheets that the government went over and made very sure there was nothing on them that shouldn't be said back yes. to America.
0: Ah, some of those are among my fan mail as well. What did you take away from the time you spent as a canteen girl? What stayed with you as? Part of the experience, I took a
1: sadness that the time, which is understandable, was sold to someone who wanted to put a program on that had news. They apparently this particular company preferred to advertise news and, and not cantinger, otherwise, I might have been sold commercially, and then it would have gone on even longer.
0: Ah, so uh, you feel that I
1: think the greatest thrill having conceived the program myself and had it taken over, was when the government began sending to NBC information for families that they asked them if they would please ask the canteen girl to tell this story. One time it was the Christmas packages. They must send them by a certain date. They must only measure as large as a shoebox. It must be taped in such a way, generally, told them to not write anything personal that would embarrass them in any way because it would be apt to be open before
0: the boy ever got it. I'm Pia Lindstrom. I'm talking with Phyllis Creor. Um, she was Miss Television of 1939. She's been a <laughs> canteen girl, we could say. And our tie, of course, is the American Theatre Wing. The American Theatre Wing actually traces its origins back to World War I with something called the Stage Women's Relief Organizations, which sell bonds and provide clothing, again, run by actresses. And then uh, you and, and all of the other actresses that worked in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's an interesting sort of history that ties us all together here.
1: Am I allowed to mention the Museum of... Yes. Society. Of course you can
0: <laughs> Tell me about the museum. Well there's
1: a video there of me now as canteen girl and stage door and the theater wing. It concerns them as well that you can see automatically all day long it's in the movie. It'll be there until May 27th and if you want to see a beautiful museum and a wonderful depiction of history. You really should go to the Historical Society Museum and Library. It's quite, quite beautiful. This is in New York City. Mm-hmm. Those it's who are 77th in seventy seventh
0: and Central Park West. So you are part of history. There you are. You have become <laughs> a part of history. <laughs> well, it took him seventy years. <laughs> It only took seventy years <laughs> <laughs> to figure. I, I was well. You did, and I, I can imagine that you uh, were a source of great comfort to many of the young men uh, mm-hmm. who came to see you and the other young girls there well, to, to dance so. and play and sing. I, I, I read that one of the slogans for the uh, canteen was "No liquor, but damn good anyway." Did you hear that? <laughs> it
1: really was. <laughs> so, the entertainers were so wonderful and your mother was so wonderful.
0: I think it meant a great deal to the people who actually went there to volunteer. I think they took well, away a great deal. It certainly did to me. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. I think the people who did it took away a great deal. That is uh, Phyllis Creore, a television pioneer, a canteen girl at the Stage Door Canteen, and part of the American Theater Wing history. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, I'm Heather Hitchens, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Downstage Center. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Our engineer for today's show is Chad Bernhard. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theater Wing is available online, on demand, for free at AmericanTheaterWing.org. If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing programs, we hope you'll consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit our website, AmericanTheaterWing.org, and click Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American
1: Theater Wing, thanks for your support and thanks for listening.